It's time for the Smart Money Questions Podcast with Matt Hausman. This is the show that provides you with a sound financial education and helps you avoid financial pitfalls. Make sure you are asking the right questions by listening to the Smart Money Questions Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Smart Money Questions Podcast. Walter Storholt here with you alongside Matt Hausman, founder of Old Security Group. And uh, thanks for visiting us online. Hopefully you found us through smartmoneyquestions.com. If you haven't been there yet, go and you can find the podcast and more great information about Matt and the team and about what we do when it comes to helping you better prepare for your financial future. And Matt, happy 2018 to you. Did you have a uh, good holiday and a happy new year? I did. I did. Happy new year to you as well. Yeah. I can't believe it's already here. Yep. And uh, did you do anything exciting for New Year's this year? Did you? Do you guys go out? Do you travel or are you kind of homebodies? What's what's your style usually for New Year's? This year, we uh, we made the poor decision of having everyone at our house oh, okay. considering Hosts. it wasn't it wasn't the fact that of who we had there. It's that we could have been in Florida for it to be much, much warmer. Oh, <laughs> so you passed up a chance in Florida for a cold New Year's even. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. Exactly. And let me tell you, my mom couldn't wait to head back to Florida. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Yeah, she's uh, Sarasota territory, right? Sarasota, correct. Yeah, yep. So. so she was uh, happy to get on that plane, let me tell you. That's pretty funny. Well, I think uh, as as we're recording this podcast, I think she uh, didn't escape the cold. It was like really cold in Florida this morning. So, I, you know, I, they didn't even escape some of the winter weather that's been uh, coming through over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and it was wet. And so when I spoke to her, the high was gonna is going to be about 52 and rainy. Which down there, I mean that that can be bone chilling. Oh but yeah. Considering right now it's about twelve degrees where I am, it's uh I think I'd take that. <laughs> you, you know I travel with the uh, Carolina women's basketball team. Uh, I do the the play by play broadcasts on the radio for the team, and we played Florida State. You know just like a week ago or so from when we're recording this, and we go to check in the hotel in Tallahassee, and uh, we walk through the front door, and the lady at the and I'm in I'm in like shorts and a t-shirt. Because I was like, hey, we're going to Florida. And yeah, it was still a bit chilly out there. But it was, you know, it was still like 50 degrees or 55 degrees. And we walked through the front door and the lady behind the counter is all bundled up in her jacket. And she's like, oh, close the door quickly. Close the door quickly. It's so chilly. It's like, well, it's not that cold. <laughs> <laughs> I was just in Maine where it was negative eight. This is nothing. <laughs> Ooh, yes. So anyway, well, glad you uh, rang in the new year with uh, friends and family around you. It sounds like it was a good time. So what what is on the agenda for you and Old Security Group and, and your team in 2018? Anything exciting on the near horizon? Yeah, we're, uh, you know, we just got into our new office. We've been here a couple months now. And one of the things we're going to start doing is uh, on the last Wednesday, I'm sorry, the fourth Wednesday of every month, we're going to have a lunch and learn in our office on different topics. So the next one coming up will obviously be this month, January, Wednesday, the 24th. And at that event, what we're going to do is we're going to go over Trump's new tax plan mm. or the new tax plan that they just got done at the end. We're going to look at the good, bad, and ugly. There's all of that within the new tax plan, depending on where you are and where the income is coming from. So that's one of the things we're going to be doing every month moving forward. We'll probably skip July and August, but we do want to start having those. The other thing we're going to do is we're going to have client social events, an opportunity for clients and their friends to come. The first one we're going to do is going to be February 7th, directly a week from Valentine's Day. We're going to have a chocolate tasting 
and the clients and everyone will be getting those invites over the course of the next couple of weeks. So those are just a couple of the things that we've got coming up here within the next four or five weeks that we're, we're excited to use the new office and its new layout. Well, I, I really hope I get an invitation to the chocolate tasting one. I'm just going to throw that out there. I'll be disappointed <laughs> if I don't, Matt. So, yep. uh, you know, keep me in mind, please. Yeah, uh, and it's the really, really good stuff. <laughs> oh, I bet. Did you know, a little trivia, little trivia piece, did you know that I was once the MC of the North Carolina Chocolate Festival? Really? Two 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 years in that. a row. The the inaugural event and the and then the second year of it. So they still have it today, the event. It's it's always held on Super Bowl Sunday, which is kind of a weird day to hold the event because people are so busy, but apparently they've been able to maintain their success with it through all the years. But yeah, I actually wow. I actually did uh, an auction of cakes. So I, I played auctioneer as part of the MC duties and my very early, one of my first play-by-play opportunities, I did play-by-play of a pudding eating contest. <laughs> <clears throat> very entertaining. That is classic. <laughs> it's pretty good stuff. Well, great. I mean, you can't make that up, can you? <laughs> no, you can't. You can't. I was like, this is great. I was... Uh, I'm like 18 years old, emceeing and calling, you know, kids and adults eating pudding and smearing it all over their faces and people cheering in the crowd. It was it was actually a really good experience for my future career. So who who would have known that that would have I mean, happened. how are you how are you calling that? He just picked up the third spoon. Look at him go. I mean, is <laughs> oh, it no, something like that? That was the catch. There were no utensils. So you, Oh, I got you. It was literally like a bowl of of pudding and they had to eat this huge bowl of pudding without using their hands or utensils. So it was you know, it's more like a pie eating contest where you can't use any utensils right. and they're just getting all messy and dirty. So they're just in there like slurping and, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> it was uh, it was good for pictures, that's for sure, for the for the participants. They had a good time. I can only imagine. Yeah. So hey, maybe you should have that event at your chocolate uh, at your chocolate <laughs> tasting. That would be that would be it's very classy, carpet. right? It's new carpet. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, the the new office. We can't get anything flung around or dirty. So yeah, let's let's keep it classy. Uh, too funny. Well, if you want to attend uh, one of those upcoming events, not just the chocolate one, but some of the other cool events that are going to be coming up this year, just keep an ear out for those announcements from Matt and the team. Or if you want to get a list directly, you can always email them or call them. 610-719-3003 is the number. Smartmoneyquestions.com is the website where you can submit your smart questions, and we'll answer them every once in a while here on the program. And today is our next mailbag edition of the podcast. So we've got three great questions from listeners like you. Craig is going to start us off in Pennsylvania with a good question to uh, begin our 2018 here. Matt, Craig says, my wife is significantly younger than me. Way to go, Craig. Craig, good job. And uh, I'm guessing she'll outlive me by at least 10 years. Do I need life insurance on myself to be sure she's okay after I'm gone? Well, first of all, Walter, the way you said that, let's reverse that. And let's say Craig is actually Sheila and she married 10 years younger. So it can kind of go either way. And, you know, Sheila, good for you. But the, the first thing I would tell you is that do you want her to be happy now? while you're both living. So if the answer is yes, then I would suggest looking at some life insurance. All kidding aside, there's a couple other things that you want to consider there if life insurance is something that you need. And that is when you pass and we have that extended time, how much income is going to be lost? And that's really, you know, if you have a pension, let's say, and there's survivorship income, well, then maybe there isn't as much income lost. We know Social Security, one of those is going to go away. That's where life insurance can help. But the big question is, where are the other assets? 
and how much income will be lost when that particular event happens and if it happens. The other thing that can happen with life insurance is it can be treated in different ways as to how you pay for it. Maybe it doesn't necessarily have to be an expense. It also could be some type of, some people would consider an investment opportunity. So there's different ways to look at it, other variables that need to be looked at as to whether Craig or Sheila should be purchasing life insurance for that extended period of time for the surviving spouse? It's a pretty good question, Craig. And I think you probably see this a lot more often than maybe uh, the average person might think, Matt. I mean, age differences and age gaps not only will bring into question the need for life insurance, but really it does require some more I guess, unique planning, or this has ripple effects maybe to other parts of the plan? Am I, am I right in thinking that? Oh, absolutely. Because the, like, I'll give you an example. If the age gap is 10 years or more, then the minimum distribution requirements for the older spouse are different than if the age gap is within 10 years. Wow. So that also can play into the planning role for the couple. So there's definitely different variables that you want to look at. Now, the reality is life insurance is a great financial vehicle for people in income replacement. It has probably the highest rate of return on investment that you could put in. Plus, currently, even under the new tax law, is insurance proceeds are income tax-free to the heirs. So that's another significant thing. So, for instance, we spoke about possibly having a pension Currently, a pension is 100% reportable and taxable. But if there was a large life insurance proceed that is now tax-free, it's possible that you can actually reduce the income because there's no tax due on that income that would come from the life insurance proceeds. So definitely some different variables to look at as to when life insurance is necessary. But you're right, when the, when we start to recognize that age gap or see that, some strategic planning really needs to take place. Great question, Craig. Thank you for submitting that one to us. You can go to smartmoneyquestions.com again to submit a question to be featured on the show. Hopefully that helps you out a little bit with analyzing that situation. Jan has another good one for us in Delaware as we hop across the border. Jan says, I have an old rental property that I'd like to sell, but I'm worried about the taxes I'll incur. That's a good job, Jan. Right to be worrying about the consequences, always with investments, and worry about the tax consequences of your actions. So that's good. Jan goes on to say, should I just suck it up and sell it anyway? <laughs> what do you think, Matt? <laughs> I, I love the end of that question. I guess the first thing I would ask back to Jan is, why do you want to sell it? It's an old rental. Is it producing income now? Maybe it's not producing income. Are you sick of getting the call at you know 2 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday that the toilet isn't working, so you don't want to be a landlord anymore. If any of those things are the issue, it's great that you are recognizing there will be a tax consequence to selling it because of different variables as it is a rental property and how that's been characterized on your taxes. And then I would simply make sure that you're aware of what that tax issue is or what will be, and hopefully you have an accountant out there that really understands the rules and regulations around this to hopefully help mitigate the tax cost. But then if you've answered those other questions, hey, listen, I'm sick and tired of being a landlord. It's really not producing the rent that I wanted. And if it's not really your business, I've got some clients that the rental business is a big part of their retirement strategy. And they would treat that a little different than say someone that just has one, two or three. And the IRS treats that different as well. And I would tell you to unload it. 
but recognize what that tax cost is going to be. And so you're fully prepared and you're not surprised when the accountant says you owe a certain amount of money. So the, to answer that, make sure that you're really wanting to sell it for the right reasons and then make sure you're aware of what the tax cost will be. Interestingly enough, Jan, as I had a client call me about, uh, I guess it's been about six months ago now with this exact thing. And when we went through the process and how they were going to sell it and what they recognized the tax cost to be, it was income producing is they decided not to sell it. They decided that based on what the revenues were producing from the rental income is it made a lot more sense than if they sold it, recognized the tax, and then where are they going to invest it to recognize that return that was actually coming in as income. So, But if you're sick and tired of being the landlord, then recognize what that is, look to unload it. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, Matt. Where do I know you've got a lot of clients who probably have rental property or had rental property, and that's sort of where my question is. Where do most people end up in that decision-making process? Do they keep being a landlord? Do they, do they give up on it typically? Uh, what, what's sort of the normal course of action for people who go into that situation? And, and then I guess you have that segment of the population that's never been a landlord, but they all of a sudden get the itch to maybe, hey, let's maybe do rental properties as we get closer to retirement as a way to create income. Where, where do all those different people kind of shake out? What's the normal course of action? Well, first of all, what you said at the end sometimes happens. My next door neighbor was talking to me about this about a year ago. If you happen to go to one of those Carlton Sheets old things on infomercial, please call me before you decide to go, you know, <laughs> be the next real estate mogul. So that being said. You talk about those um, uh, the, in those radio ads that we're looking for smart investors in, uh, in yes, Westchester. Yes. We only have a couple that we're willing to work with. Right? Who have $10,000 that you can invest right now. <laughs> That's exactly right. Please call me with that. But, um, you know, usually the clients that I have that have a couple, one, maybe three, it depends on how the rental is structured and how involved they are with it. So in this particular case, the client that called about six months ago regarding this was they were still actively involved and it was producing, quite frankly, for the investment they had in it, it was producing a nice revenue stream. And so when you look at the numbers and you say, hey, listen, am I willing to go ahead and deal with some of the landlord issues to generate this revenue? I'm okay with that. Others, especially if the rental is not close to them. Let's yeah. say, for instance, they had a second home or a vacation home, beach home that turned into a rental property that's two to five hours away or even longer. I met with someone last month that has a rental down in Florida. And he's seriously thinking about unloading it because, you know, that's a that's a hike in that particular case. You really have to look at what's the real return and do I want to keep dealing with this? But usually it comes down to just numbers. You know, if you've got a I'm just going to use numbers, you've got a couple hundred thousand dollars invested in a rental property and it's producing fifteen thousand dollars of revenue for you. It's pretty good return on two hundred grand if you're willing to put up with the necessary issues that come along with that. So it really depends on do they still want to be involved and does it make financial sense if they unload it. In this particular case for my client, I had to tell him, I, I, if you want to unload it because you're sick and tired of being the landlord, I would understand that. And then you want to just unload it because quality of life obviously is extremely important. But if you're still willing to be involved, the numbers that are coming off this thing, I got to tell you, I, I don't know that I'd unload it. Hmm. And that's what they ended up deciding to do. So 
you know, each situation, as they would always say, is is different. And asking those questions and coming to the answers is the most critical way to come up with what's right for the client. Makes a lot of sense that they would go in both directions, but kind of need to hear the different stories of how people kind of arrive at that decision. So good question, Jan. Thanks for helping us spark some good conversation on Smart Money Questions today. Let's get one more question here. It's from Josh. Josh is in Florida. He's nice and warm, unlike the rest of us in the country. I consider myself a conservative investor, Josh says, but sometimes I think I shouldn't be conservative. Do you think I should loosen up and take a little more risk? And my question back is why? Because the market's up? Because <laughs> if this was 2008, there is no way anyone is asking that question. Would you think that's right, Walter? I would agree. I mean, I think this is the natural way to feel if you're looking back. And if you were really conservative over the last, normally you'd say if you were conservative over the last five years, if you were conservative just over the last year, you'd be looking back and saying, gosh, look at all this run up in the market that I've missed out on. And then you'd start to second guess yourself. That's that's what it sounds like to me, Josh, is getting at. That's exactly right. And you pointed it out. I had someone in my office just last week, and this was almost verbatim what he was describing. And I, I usually will use that type of language. Well, let me ask you, would we be having the same conversation if it was not necessarily 2008, because that was like a horror story. But what if it's 2002? or 2001, right after 9-11. Are you still asking that? And that goes back to, and when I went through the process with him, he is a business owner. And what it was is that he had money sitting on the sideline in his mind in cash that was specifically meant for the business. And then you have other money that's investable money that in that particular case, yeah, I would say that you probably do want to look possibly at uh, taking on some additional risk and understanding and recognizing what does that risk look like and what should you expect from whatever risk you're going to take. But the money that is there for particular purposes. So if you're conservative, why are you conservative and how much of your money is conservative? Because you don't want to use money that is going to be neat, possibly needed over the course of the next two to three years. That money needs to be more conservative, needs to be in a position that if you need to get your hands on it, you can. And you have to recognize with that money, it doesn't matter what's happening in the market and what the performance is or, oh, my goodness, I should have bought Bitcoin two weeks ago. Those type of things, because that's exactly what you were talking about, Walter, is you're looking backwards. There's a sense of, oh, my goodness, I missed it. And that is one of the emotions that many investors fall to when they're looking at when to get in, when to get out, and why I believe market timing, it's not something that can be predicted. So what you look at is what monies do I have? What monies can I invest in? And then recognize what that risk is and realize that it's always based on the purpose of the money. So for instance, the business owner that was in last week and we were talking, I, I well, what's that money there for? Well, that's in my business account. That's for the necessary business expenses, the up and downs of, you know, monthly cash flow, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, you can't invest that money. That money is there for a particular purpose to keep the business going. So please don't look at what the market is doing or not doing as to being invest. But the real can I'm conservative is you want to recognize why are you conservative? What's the next step is what monies am I willing to possibly loosen up a little bit? take on a little more risk? And then what does that risk look like in your mind? 
because um, if the market wasn't up, usually people aren't asking that particular question. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree. I think um, it's amazing our perspective and how it changes looking back versus looking forward. We look back with confidence. We look forward with apprehension. And it tends to really kind of divide our decision making. And, and I guess that's the danger of the larger conversation about emotions and, and uh, investing in decision making. And that always seems to complicate things. Always. Yeah. You know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, And that's really you really have to. And I, I brought up Bitcoin because I've had numerous people contact me about this Bitcoin craze that has happened within basically the last 90 days. I read an article the other day and the title of the article was the Bitcoin. This was three weeks ago now, so it hadn't even hit its high. The Bitcoin craze, that train has left the station. And I thought it was brilliantly titled because you can't look back. That opportunity of rapid risk or rapid loss has already gone. So go on and look to something else. And looking back and, and feeling like, oh, my goodness, I really missed something. That's not the proper way to, at least in my opinion, not the way to really look at your money and your overall investments. That makes sense. I mean, no, no sense crying over spilled milk. Is that sort of the idea? I mean, you, you didn't you didn't jump on the right train the first time around. So quit looking back and now find out when the next train's coming. That sort of idea. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Makes sense. All right. So Craig, Jan, Josh, good questions on the mailbag portion of the program today. And Matt, if somebody's got a question like this, I know they can submit it through the website, but they also don't have to necessarily wait for an answer on the podcast. I know people can reach out to you directly and have a conversation maybe about something that they're thinking about with their finances. What's it like if they you know, call the 610 number, 610-719-3003, or send you an email? What's, what's the communication look like? Set the expectations for us for how you know, we might go about getting a, a question answered with you or talking a little bit more about planning. Well, I would say that you know, if it's a simple question and someone wants to just send an email and we've been receiving those, is, uh, you know, we usually there's a pretty simple answer. I usually, I will always, by the way, reply personally and send that back. If I can recognize the question maybe has a couple variables, usually a simple phone call is what we can have. Or if someone is in the area and they wanted to come in and just sit down, have a cup of coffee is that we can go over those, those things as, as well. But one thing that's been great, Walter, I don't know if I've really talked to you about is we have been seeing a so many more questions that are coming in through the email link that we have that we're answering. So questions, all these questions, most of them are coming through the email. So you can just go to info at old security group or go on to our website and uh, it will come right through to us and then we can respond directly to you. Very cool. So again, that is on smartmoneyquestions.com. That's one easy way to get in touch, smartmoneyquestions.com. Or again, you can call Matt directly, 610-719-3003. Well, Matt, thank you for the help as always. Good chatting with you now on uh, on into 2018, we march. So uh, we appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Sounds great. Coming up on the next podcast, I can already tell you what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about a great story from Matt, and in fact, one or two stories he's going to share with us about somebody who has reached an advanced age in their planning process. They've already been retired maybe for a long time, 
and they're still in great shape financially. So sort of, you know, putting your money where your mouth is kind of thing, where this is a person who started planning a long time ago with Matt, and now they're years and years into the planning process and looking at where they stand now. They're in great shape financially due to the plan that Matt helped them put in place. So we're going to kind of detail that story for you and talk about some of the challenges that they faced, how they problem solved them, and dive deep into that. That'll be next time on Smart Money Questions. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you again on next week's podcast.